T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Mayor Lori Lightfoot this week took the wraps off a 100-page report that aims to rebuild Chicago after both the devastation of the coronavirus pandemic and the systematic racism and social inequality that was stripped bare by the medical crisis and the police killing of George Floyd. But what's it going to take to truly turn this city and its neighborhoods around? This weekend, we're going to talk to a man dedicating his life to answering that question with actions. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. My guest this weekend is Jamal Cole, the founder and president of My Block, My Hood, My City. It's an organization whose central purpose is showing young people that they can have lives and opportunities far beyond what they may have thought possible. Uh, perhaps never have such possibilities been needed before, but given the polarized times we're living in, we might wonder if uh, that better life might slip further away. Well, I'm Hoping my guest this morning uh, can give us some encouragement. Jamal Cole was born in the Chicago area. He went to high school in Kenosha, Wisconsin, and has a communications degree from Wayne State College in Nebraska. In 2005, he became one of the first African-American players on the Wayne State basketball team. That's right, 2005. We can still have firsts even in this <laughs> these years. Uh, he had a master's in, or uh, he has a master's in internet marketing. He founded the nonprofit Role Model Movement to help underserved youth, uh, and in 2013, founded My Block, My Hood, My City. Jamal Cole, welcome. Hey, thank you for having me today. I love the introduction. Uh, <laughs> I love the introduction. <laughs> thank you. But, but thank you for being here. First, let's, let's start with the basics. Tell us how the organization does what it does. Because you're basically working with young people. Yeah, man. We, our motto is taking care of people no matter what. You know, I'm a volunteer at heart. You know, I always say I was born in the back of a, a U-Haul truck, and I spent a lot of time at homeless shelters growing up. So when I got, became an adult, I knew I wanted to volunteer because volunteers made such an impact on my life. So I started volunteering at Cook County Jail at 24 years old. And it was at the jail where I realized all the kids ever talked about was my block is 21st Street, my hood is a low end. And I used to always ask them, why don't you ever say my city? And that's when they said, hey, ain't no black people downtown. Ain't no black people in Wicker Park. And that's when I realized their whole worldview was shaped by the infrastructure of a divested community area. And that was tragic. So I wanted to take them outside their comfort zones um, and expose them to different things. So if there's 15 currency exchanges in the neighborhood and no banks, I ask a kid, what's a job at a bank? They don't know. They've never been to one. So I'll take them to a bank. Um, we can expose kids to consumer engagement jobs, and they want to do that. We just 
show them the world. If they, if they can't see it, they can't be it. But if you show them better, they can do better. So that's kind of how I got started, just in the jail and then start taking kids from the barbershops on educational field trips, if you will. Yeah, and, and that's one of the things I find really interesting about, about your work, because you're not just taking kids downtown. No, 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 man. We, uh, we want to take kids to Greek town, to the Athena Greek Museum, the National Hellenic Museum. Um, we want to take people to Devon Avenue, what we call Little India. We've been taking kids to Washington, D.C., to Mackinac Island in Michigan, to Alabama. A lot of kids have never waited for a taxi before. They've never been on an elevator before. They've definitely never been on a plane before, but we can't afford to take them to China, so we take them to Chinatown, you know what I mean? <laughs> and I, I noticed that you also, in some cases, take the kids to things in their own neighborhoods. And why is that important? Oh, man, because, you know, their summer job is to give tours of the neighborhood, to develop pride in their neighborhood. So a lot of these communities are talked bad about on the news, but the youth are the biggest stakeholders in the community. So they lead asset-based tours of the neighborhoods. So they can say in North Lawndale, hey, this is where Dr. King lived when he was in Chicago. This is where he, went. This is where he gave his sermons at. Um, this is where he spoke at. This is Sal's Hoagies on 16th and Kedzie. They got the best hoagies in the city. Here's a hidden gym business called Green Tomato. This place is gentrifying in our area. This is my block. This is my school. And when people take this asset-based tour, they can start seeing the community through um, th the same way as the residents do that live there. And it gives them pride to, to, give, to talk about the history of that neighborhood. And now, how do you make the connection with these teenagers that they could do the kinds of things that they are seeing? Just putting trust into them. Um, when you put trust in somebody, that's the best way to teach them how to trust other people. You know, it's hard to have trust when you uh, have to order your breakfast every morning through a bulletproof glass window. You know, it's hard to have trust when there's hundreds of bodies dropping every other weekend. It's hard to have trust when there's helicopters flying over your house. You know, it's hard to have trust when you have to you take your belt off and your shoes off just to walk through a metal detector to get to school. It's hard to have trust when there's safe patches signs. Um, you can't trust anybody when you have to go to McDonald's to use the internet because you don't got no Wi-Fi. You know what I mean? Um, I talk to kids that are ninth grade have been to 15 funerals. You know what I mean? So what we do is that we model it. You know, we want to boost trust. We, every, we don't really, well, we don't really capture attendance, GPA, high school graduation, college persistence. We look at that stuff, but we're measuring trust, belonging, um, reciprocity and generosity. Like when you go through our program, you get points based upon those uh, measurements. And that, that's kind of what we study. But now, how do these dreams play out against the kinds of things that you were just talking about, everyday life? Uh, I mean, as you say, some of these kids are living with the threat of stray gunfire and the like. How do you have dreams and keep dreams going in those atmospheres? It's a great question. Um, that's, you, it's hard to have dreams when you, you don't have any hope, you know? It's hard to have hope when you're looking over your shoulder all day and you're, you're you're, you have PTSD, so you don't have, you really don't dream, you don't have hopes when that happens. So what we do is we believe exposure is key. So we expose students to things in their own city. So we might take them to a Microsoft um, or a trading firm to learn about Microsoft engineering. We might take them to Pandora so they can learn about, hey, can you create an ad for KitKat or create an ad for Doritos, a radio advertisement? We might make, let them make their own podcast and show them from podcast professionals how to do it. Uh, we might take them to a hospital to learn about the different jobs besides being a doctor in a hospital. We expose them to things, and, and that, that traveling is transformative for the youth. Um, what are some of the, the, the best kinds of places, the, the, the places where when 
young people see them, th their eyes open up and it's like, wow, yeah, this could, this is something that I'm interested in. Yeah. Mackinac Island and Traverse City, Michigan, when you take them to out of state and they don't, and they say, oh man, the McDonald's tastes different here. It tastes like they got real beef. Or, you know, when <laughs> I, haven't heard, I haven't heard a police siren in two days. Like that's the first thing they notice when they get back. Um, you know, I've, they actually turn into kids. They are kids, but they turn into teenagers after being in Mackinac Island for a few hours. They start riding bikes, jumping on canoes, and they, they get to, to let go and stop being worried all the time. So that's, those are going to Washington, D.C., to the Museum of African American History, getting out there, getting on a plane for the first time and screaming when it takes off. Those type of experiences are, are getting outside of their comfort zone is always the best for us. That's what the data is telling us, by the way. Oh, yeah. And, and you, do, you, do you, in fact, have people who are studying what you're doing? Oh, yeah, man. So I want to continue to get um, I, I don't want any kid to ever say they've never been downtown Chicago by 2025. But we have 10 schools in our program right now. That's 150 youth. But we have a 36 school waiting list. And so we want to expand with integrity and be in at least 20 schools. So the way to do that is to to actually hire people just to study the impact. So we, we measure success differently, but we do hire people to study the impact. And then we can show you guys in annual reports. And then we show that to our funders as well. A growing number of schools. How do you find the kids? How do you find the schools? Yeah, so we work with the option schools. They used to be called alternative schools, but um, they're, you know, 24-month uh, programs for students that have uh, either been kicked out of traditional public schools or coming out of Cook County Jail. So they go to these things called option schools, which is, again, it's a 24-month accelerated program. Um, so we work with 10 of those. And we also, uh, um, I used to find the students by having these, you know, uh, I had this, went to Northwestern and University of Chicago, and they had all this, these, this data and said, hey, we're going to select students based upon this criteria. None of that worked. So, <laughs> so I just go to the schools now and I talk to the principal and say, how can I help? How can I, who, who do you, who's, who can we work with? And they, because guess what, man? It doesn't matter if you have a 3.5 GPA or a 1.7 GPA. Those students still haven't been downtown. No matter what their GPA is, they're still just as disconnected. So we work with the principal, the teachers, and the assistant principals about choosing the cohort of students. And every year we get 15 more students from the same school. So some schools have 30 students. Some schools only have 15. Mm. Um. And I should ask, how, how do you raise the money for this? I assume you're getting some, uh, some corporate backing and philanthropic backing, but how do you do that? Man, if you do what you love to do, you organically start to build relationships that'll help you be successful. Um, you know, my home got foreclosed. I stopped paying mortgage and started this organization. You know, I, that was tough for me. I stood downtown and sold books in front of Foot Locker just to make ends meet. Um, I sell hoodies and t-shirts online, all these snazzy hoodies and tees. We're like the Nike of community organizing. So get a, get a hoodie, get a t-shirt. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, once I kept on, I stayed to it, man. Then we started getting grants. I, yeah, I learned how to write grants better. Um, I got somebody on my board that could help me write grants. Uh, corporations started to notice us and I started to get um, dollars from them, like sponsorships. Like, you know, it's not all, like our funding is like 30% sponsorships, 30% grants. 20% uh, apparel, 20% independent um, individual donations, things like that. And how much do you follow up with the kids after they have gone through the program? You know, what so we, yeah, we've had one cohort just finish, and, and they're just, uh, we have a sophomore in college, three sophomores in college right now at Benedict University and um, the university in St. Louis. I forget what it's called. But, um, but anyway, those, those are the, we have three students that are in college, and this is going to be our first year, really. This year is weird, man. We drive all of our students to college, but um, students, you know, uh, 
they called it. We don't really do college persistence, just to keep it real with you. That's not our, that's not our bag. But students still hit me up for book money. They still hit me up for laundry money. They still hit me up for – we just pass the ball to organizations that study that stuff in college. Our, good, our, our niche is working with students in high school and exposing them to different career fields and different cultures. Once they get to college, we can pass the baton to another social impact organization that will uh, you know, walk by – or a wraparound service that can walk by the hand with them through the college. Well, talk about the kind of services in the neighborhoods. I, I want to know if you've had a, a chance to, uh, to at least uh, scan Mayor Lightfoot's recovery plan, or at least the reporting about it, and see how that fits in with, you know, what your goals are. I mean, this is a plan that's talking about uh, ending the disparities in mental health care and joblessness, Black entrepreneurs getting more city business. Um, how do, well does that kind of thing get to the core of the problem? Well, our philosophy is, you know, democracy starts from a block level. We can't really, you know, it doesn't start from, the hard work starts on a block. It's not done on a fifth floor of City Hall in Springfield or Washington, D.C. We always ask people to ask themselves 15 words. And those 15 words are, what's something simple I can do that'll have a positive impact on my block? What's something simple that I can do that'll have a positive impact on my block? And I really feel like, uh, um, you know, you don't need to, to be a politician to make a difference, right? You don't have to have a master's degree to listen to people or to get to know your neighbors. If there's 16 houses on one side of the street, 19 houses on the other side of the street, start a block club. Um, the mayor doesn't demand that you get to know your neighbors, but if you want your block to be safer, healthier and happier, gotta demand that of yourself. The aldermans don't demand that you pick up the trash in your alley. But if you want your um, alley to be um, free of rats being born and your alley, you don't want no rats being born in your alley, you better demand that of yourself. Um, there's no senator that demands that you go to Springfield to advocate for education reform. But if you want per people tuition funding to be equal or equitable, you need to go to Springfield and, av and demand that and advocate for yourself. So my, that's, that's my ask not what Lori can do for you. It's like, what can you do to, to, to make a difference in your block? And uh, yeah, I did read the plan. I did. I saw our name mentioned in it as far as the youth-led tours of CPD. And I'm really excited about that because the police officers have a lot to learn about the history of Chicago neighborhoods before they police them. And our youth-led tours are completely written and designed by the youth. So it's a good opportunity for, uh, um, for the cops to start seeing the communities the way the residents do. Uh, and when do you uh, hope to see that start? And, and have you had much contact with police up to this point and, and gotten a, either a good or maybe a not-so-good response? Yeah, it just started the other day. You know, we just started on the 8th. And so it was our, about 13 cadets showed up. So it's, it's like 1,000 hours to be a cop. You need to train for 1,000 hours to be a police officer in Chicago. There's 13,000 police officers currently, right? And they make up a $1.7 billion budget. So defunding the police means the budget of the local police and invest in community programs, public health, which is mental health, and also uh, social needs. So our youth-led tours, our explorers program, where I just talked about, that's what defunding the police looks like in practice. They've been nothing but supportive. On our youth-led tours, you got CPD, state's attorneys, and youth that can um, come together to, um, to, to learn about each other, and it can be some collective problem solving. So the youth are the biggest stakeholders in their neighborhood, and the cops need to learn about the history of these neighborhoods before they start uh, policing them. Um, nothing but a Nothing but a great response so far. Yeah, I was going to ask if the, if the officers who have done it so far uh, seem open to it, and are they getting maybe the, the most friendly officers first into this thing? 
they well, they don't have a choice now since it's been it's a the mayor put it in a strategy. So they we advocated for it all summer. The University of Chicago Crime Lab has helped us put it together, and uh, we're studying data from that too. No, man, I think the cops are stepping outside their comfort zone. But the real story is the youth that are showing courage to work with the cops right now and walk through the neighborhood and open their front doors to them and say, "Here's my community." I mean, there's been um there's there's it's hard to hear, but there's a lot of racism in the police department that needs to be addressed. Um, there's been uh, so many shootings we can't even count. Um, there's a uh, um, you know it's exhausting for us to go through the same thing year after year when they they shoot down an unarmed black person or choke a black person. Um, you know uh, the there's a protest that incites an arrest. It goes to a trial. It goes to a jury of their peers. The jury lets them go, and then we make a GoFundMe page. We make a, a T-shirt. Then we're outraged, and then we resume our lives as usual until the next time. I mean. A wise person says that uh, um, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. So we got to do something different if we want to put it into these killings. And our youth-led tours with CPD is us is innovative and stepping outside of the box. I, I want to ask you how responsive the teenagers are to this contact with police officers. I mean, is it is it humanizing people on both sides of the equation? Oh, yeah. I mean, teenagers are full of love, man. Like, you know, they're, they're optimistic. They wake up, especially teenagers from North Lawndale, and, and they're just optimistic already. They don't have no hate in their heart. You know, uh, um, they've never talked to a police officer without being arrested before. They've never seen a police officer say hi to them on their porch, like, hello, while they're walking through a community. Most of their interactions with the law is like, hey, the police will kill you. There's no doubt in my mind. I mean, the police officer can just pass by Harrison Street, and the kids will just jump up. And they're not chasing us. They're not pulling us over. The police are probably doing their job, but the students' knee-jerk reaction is a jump up in fear. So that's disheartening, but they, that's how they feel, man. The police will kill you. So they're showing a lot, of, the youth are showing a lot of courage by even welcoming the police cadets into their neighborhood. You're listening to News Radio 780's At Issue. I'm political editor Craig Delamore. We're talking via Zoom conferencing with Jamal Cole, the founder and president of the organization known as My Block, My Hood, My City. I, I want to talk about another, uh, you know, we've, we've had so much talk about Black Lives Matter this year. And obviously, in the context of the protests, it's been about police. But the lives that have been lost on Chicago streets this year, especially, um, are not coming at the hands of police. And how can anyone address that phenomenon that we now have? basically teenagers killing other teenagers. Yeah, uh, gun violence is not a reality. Uh, the media, a lot of times in Chicago, trivializes things and they don't really talk about the root causes of, of gun violence, but uh, gun violence is a reflection of racial and economic injustice, poor neighborhoods, under-resourced schools, high incarceration rate and high unemployment rate. If you, if you add all those, if you mix all what I just said together, you, mm, what does this taste like? Gun violence in Chicago. I'm telling you, you just throw a, a pinch of under-resourced schools. You throw a, a cup of uh, divested community. You throw a pound of racial and economic injustice. Mix all that up, you get gun violence. I don't care where you at, you get gun violence out of those things. So we need to start addressing the root causes by investing in neighborhoods. There's no uh, correlation between throwing more cops in a community and a, a reduction of gun violence. But it's hard to get all of those things, the investments, the schools, all to come together all at once. 
and the they, they did it right recently. now. They, they did it recently for um. They did it recently when COVID happened. There was no red tape to get a lot of grants. Um, I think that the the lack of preparation was deliberate with a lot of these things, and we gotta we can actually do it. We just have to have the political will to do it. And um and then they showed us. I mean, it took it takes a year a year to get a grant in Chicago sometimes. It's, we didn't. We never had a hospital on the south side of Chicago, but during COVID, it was a pop-up hospital at the McCormick Place. There's, there's some. Um, the, the wheels of democracy tend to move slow, but if you got the right person riding a bike, they can move pretty fast. You know what I mean? So. <laughs> yeah. But now let me ask you though. You know, in some cases, there's kind of a chicken and egg thing going on, especially when you're talking about investment, getting more businesses to uh, to open in the area, whether it's local entrepreneurs or not. How do you get people to invest in a business when they don't feel safe? Yeah, I mean, we got right now is the perfect time because a lot of businesses, uh, um, I don't know if businesses so much care about justice being denied or if their business is being interrupted. You know what I mean? But right now it seems to be a political or they have more will to do something right now. Um, that's a good question. You don't want to be anywhere you don't feel safe. But I think that somebody has to take the first step and that's investing in social impact organizations that are pillars already there. Diane Latiker in Roseland, Aisha Butler in Inglewood, you know, Will Calloway in South Shore. There's, there's, uh, give me, uh, what is it? Ain't She Sweet in Bronzeville, Chef Sarah's, John Coleman's Gym in, Bron in, in South Shore, Captain Hard Times in Chatham, you know, the Kasai Cafe in Inglewood. There's already pillars in the community that you can build around, and those people are stakeholders. So it's just about getting on the ground level and, um, and, and meeting people where they're at, I think. Yeah. Um have you been troubled by the political atmosphere that's been surrounding the kinds of things that we're talking about? I mean, the president uh, declared that Black Lives Matter is an expression of hate. And, you know, it might sound ridiculous to people in this area, but let's face it, there are people across the country who are listening to that going, hmm, yeah, I think so. Uh, how harder, how much harder is the job? when people are politicizing what should be, you know, in other circumstances, just human nature and people wanting to do better. Yeah, we're just getting to the point where the average white person doesn't feel like Black Lives Matter isn't a terrorist organization. Um, I would say like being a president is a tough position, man. It, it requires that you necessarily displease a lot of people while hoping to bring the country together as a whole. Um, um, you know, my personal feelings about President Trump are, are based upon media perspectives. I, I, what I would say is that um, um, future, he's another president. His time is going to pass. And, um, and, and future historians are going to have to look back and see if this is the president that marked the end of our republic or not. Um, sadly, neither of the front runners in the last campaign um, I agree with wholeheartedly. You know what I mean? So, but I feel like uh, um, democracy starts from the block and doesn't start in, in Washington, D.C. And I, everybody knows who's on pre President Trump's cabinet, but they don't know who the next door neighbor is. Come on, like, who, like, who's your next door neighbor? Who's your local official? Have you hollered the, have you, have you walked your neighborhood? Have you fell in love with your neighborhood? What issues matter to you? Talk to your local elected official, talk to your state representative. There's, there's levels to this and, um, and you know, we can look at TV and talk about President Trump, but um, yeah, change starts on the block. Mm -hmm. How well can you get teenagers to start looking at this, the civic part of, of this? In other words, oh. to be interested in the government, to be interested in 
you know, their block as an organization. Yeah, all of our students volunteer. We put holiday lights on King Drive uh, from McCormick Place 22nd all the way to 115th every year. We decorate over 300 homes, 400 light poles. That's civic engagement. We work with over 100 block clubs on the south and west side of the city, and we advocate for new stop signs, advocate for speed bumps, advocate for the old school fluorescent lights. Um, our students flyer with us. Our students volunteer every weekend. Every weekend we do a block club cleanup and our students are there to help out. So our students volunteer, man. We, that's how we build the muscle it takes to make a difference is by bringing them along with us. And that's how they get um, what the scores I was telling you about, one, one generosity. That's how they get a, a, a five on generosity is actually volunteering a couple times a year. What, what are the, some of the other things that they get points for? Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, they get points for belonging, um, standing groups. They get points for trust. So trust, generosity, um, belonging, and um, reciprocity. So, uh, and there's one more that I'm, that I'm slipping on. Trust, generosity, reciprocity, and belonging. Is there another one? Um, that's it. So, so, boom, those are the four things they get. So trust, I just told you, is by um, you, you give trust to them. They, hey, we need you to, we need you to go inside, inside of this organization and we need you to take these papers to xyz do it boom i got you jamal i'm gonna do it hey we need you to take these hoodies that were just all of our students do our shipping too so hey we need you to mail these hoodies off we trust them by them being on time being early means being on time to us they get um confidence by giving presentations to police officers talk about not being confident when you when you have to stand up in front of a business and give a presentation that develops their confidence belonging is by them sticking together we, they travel in cohorts of 15 they go out of state together, they go to businesses together, they get to know where each other lives, that's how they build belonging. And then generosity, again, that's all about volunteering. So every student gets a score based upon those metrics. And again, we're measuring success differently, and we just hired um, a data analyst to actually study this. This is the wave, man, this is the wave. It's just thinking outside the box, but I'm not gonna tell you that my program is the reason why a kid is gonna go to college. Um, I'm gonna tell you, though, that being a part of my program, um, gave kids options and exposed them so, to things. But I want to study trust, generosity, confidence, and belonging. Tell me what you want to see my block, my hood, my city be in the next 10 years. I want us to be in Peru, in Panama. <laughs> There's a block and a hood everywhere. First of all, I want to be in Chicago. I want to be in at least 20 to 25 public schools in Chicago. We already have a 30-some school waiting list. So, but I want to expand with integrity and make sure I hire great people because I can only take the organization so far. I need to hire people smarter than me. Then I want to expand to Detroit, the surrounding cities, Milwaukee, St. Louis. Then we can expand to Red Hook projects in Brooklyn, LA, South Africa, Cape Town, right? Kids need exposure all over the world. And this is the brand to do it, man. It's a block and a hood everywhere. Have you had people from other cities come to ask you about or learn about what you're doing here? For sure. For sure. And that's, that's why I mentioned those cities first. But uh, yeah, for sure, man. And, uh, you know, that was like three years ago. But right, we haven't expanded yet because we're still learning. I want to perfect the model here to know what we're measuring, what the res what's the impact, what's most impactful, what type of trips are most impactful. How can we continue to stay with students beyond graduation? We got some work to do for the next couple of years in Chicago. Uh, tell me what, what trip that you've taken kids on surprised you? where you yeah. learn something about about them and about the business yeah. oh, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, scuba diving. I think that uh, taking kids to a, a college campus in a pool and having them scuba diving was, uh, was the first time I ever went scuba diving. 
and uh, it was the first time they ever did it too. But uh, um, they were they were ready to learn. They were ready to jump all in. And um, I just love seeing their reactions. Like, man, I love trying new things now. It's, if I can do this, I can do anything. But that I'll never forget that trip because everybody was scared going in, putting the you know the, the oxygen tank on, the snorkel on, and learning how to clear the breath. But once they did it, man, they were like, I, you know, I can do anything. Also, um, glass blowing is also fun when the kids get to actually make their own ornaments out of glass uh, and uh, the, you know the furnace is super hot they get to learn from a glass blower and it's, it's awesome man it just gets them outside of their comfort zone for a couple hours to to dream bigger than their surroundings how do you choose what businesses or organizations you uh take yeah. the kids to well at first i went to linkedin and just cracked the code so if you were if you worked at nike and your name was jamal cole the email address could only be jcole at nike.com jamal.cole at nike.com, colej at nike.com. And I just email them and say, hey, I've got a group of 15 students from North Lawndale. Can we bring them to your business and do a case study or shadow you for a day? And I just did that with about 500 businesses and maybe 150 responded. Like, yeah, of course, we'd love to do this. And there's a lot of millennials at our job that want to do social work. And it's, a good, it's really good for morale at the workplace. So that's how I started, man. And then from there, you know, just, uh, just making sure that I, had, I followed up and asked for referrals. And businesses start referring other businesses. And now we um, have a button on our website that says host our students. And a lot of businesses sign up there to host our kids. That's going to be our last word. Thank you very much. That is My Block, My Hood, My City founder, Jamal Cole. Thank you for spending this time. No doubt. Peace, man. Thank you. And thank you to our listeners. If you'd like a copy of this program or to hear it again, please visit our website at WBBMnewsradio.com. Just follow the podcast links. You can also find our podcasts on radio.com. I'll be back next week with another edition of At Issue, and I hope you'll be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com.